Maybe you remember 2011. Maybe you don't. Maybe you've thought of the players who've taken field over the last 11 years, the trades that worked, the many more trades that did not, the free agent signings that failed, and the ones that really failed. Maybe you thought of the players that deserved better. Freddie Galvis, Cesar Hernandez, and the old core. And the others that most assuredly did not deserve it. Whatever it was you thought of in the moment, at 10 minutes past 10 p.m. Eastern on Monday, you thought it while standing in a new era. Because for the first time in 4,010 days, the Philadelphia Phillies are going to the playoffs. That's right. That's right, Matt. We can say the words. The Phillies are in the playoffs. The Phillies are a playoff team. The Phillies are in the playoffs. They're, um, they're in the playoffs, Paul. They're I in mean, the playoffs, dude. You, they you did feel it. Like, you feel like they're they're uh, they're rising to the moment. Wow. Almost, you know, the way they've played the last few days, the, the, the caliber of performances they've gotten from their pitchers specifically, um, you almost feel you almost feel kind of good about the Phillies. You know, I really do, man. It, it, we were we were talking just briefly before we got right into this because I, I didn't want to waste all this this energy that I'm still carrying from last night um, that it, it actually all worked out in a really poetic kind of way and not in a stupid idiotic way that we thought might happen with the way this team was going you know you couldn't help but think as the season started to wind down and the houston games actually started to matter that they would find a way to back into the last game of the season or trip over themselves or do it some dumb way or just you know even in the best of the worst case scenarios have to fall backward with a milwaukee loss and none of that happened last night. None of that happened. Milwaukee came back and won. They delayed their win long enough to, to give a nice little ramp up for the Phillies to only have to play one more inning. And then the Phillies won on the back of an incredible pitching performance by the guy who really still needed to shake the ghosts of September slash October now off of his back. They hit home runs. They did. It, it was great. It was exactly how you wanted it to end. They did it. They didn't do anything stupid. I, I, <laughs> I, I hate that we're even setting the bar like that right now. But I don't know what's not to be happy about the way that all went down. The only no, thing that could have been different is they do it at home, honestly. Right, right. I, I've been writing for a few weeks now that, you know, everyone had, I, I think there's been some disappointment, you know, especially in the fan base about, you know, I think everyone had this idea in their mind of like how it was supposed to end, right? It was supposed mm -hmm. to be, you know, some sort of divisional race, like a really good race in September against, you know, the Braves and the Mets or, mm -hmm. you know, a, a Phillies team that just cruised, you know, wire to wire and won the division and celebrated at home and had, you know, didn't have these boneheaded moments, didn't have these uh, mistake prone stretches, you know, didn't lose to teams that they were supposed to beat. And, and, and I think we had all sort of acknowledged that it wasn't going to happen the way we thought it was going to happen. Yep. Uh, they're going to get in as, as the sixth seed, uh, a spot in the postseason that, that did not exist until this season. Uh, but as it all unfolded last night, I agree. I mean, like I couldn't help but think uh, this is, this is, this is about as good as it could have gone. 
you know, for so many reasons. And during the game, I was sitting up in the press box at Minute Maid Park, and I, I saw Alvarado start to throw, uh, even while Noel was was still uh, tossing a perfect game. And, like, I looked at the lineup, and I saw the Tuckers coming up, and I was like, okay, if, if there ends up being a couple guys on base, it was the only way he was going to get up that thing. I was like, that's clearly Alvarado's guy. Mm-hmm. And then, like, I don't know, like, I just started thinking about it. I was like, how cool would it be if Zach Eflin finished this game? And I'd actually had the thought before the game, because I talked to Reese Hoskins for a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, and we were just kind of BSing, and uh, he, he was talking about some conversations that he had had with Nolan Eflin over the years, where it's like, you always imagine, you know, the dog pile, like the celebration, and um, you think you know who you're going to do it with. Like there's certain teammates that Reese thought he was going to do it with, and and those guys yeah. have come and gone. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was like, but Nolan Eflin are, are the two guys who've been here the longest. And like, we, we think about it, we talk about it. And I'm sitting up in the press box during the game, and like I sent out a tweet, I was like, I, you know, if it was me, like I, I want Zach Eflin to finish this. And oh, yeah. lo and behold, like he finished it. Mm-hmm. And and I, I don't know if I can convey this to you know, people who, who follow the team, who read about the team, who watch the team. Like, Zach Eflin, uh, it, it, it was really great to see him finish it. Uh, this guy behind the scenes is, has, has been through a lot. And, and you think about, you know, how much money this guy lost this year um, because he was in line for a pretty big payday, yeah. you know, as a mid-rotation starter. Uh, you, you think about sort of the, the, the trials he's gone through with his knee and not just – not just losing money, but not being able to be there for his team, not being able to uh, be on the mound and, and do the thing that he, that he loves to do. And that's pitch. And the way he has come back and the fact that he was there on the mound at the end of this game to end this drought. Uh, I, I think it's one of the coolest things I, I've seen in a long time. I, I really do. And I know people will minimize it just because of where, you know, where they're on the standings and, you know, how long it took them to get there and, whatever um you know Eflin finishing it and 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 doing it for his friend Aaron Noel who <laughs> pitched the game of his life yeah. you know truly did unbelievable uh you, you can't write it any better that's what Reese Hoskins said to me after the game he was soaked he, he was excited uh he was probably a little drunk and <laughs> uh he's right you really can't and, and we all had this image of how it was supposed to end I don't think any of us none of us would have ever envisioned this and that's kind of cool. I think it was fitting. It feels right. And uh, here we go. Well, you know, and it's an, it's another hats off moment to Rob Thompson or or whoever might have brought up the idea to him to have Zach Eflin close that game out. OK, because that that shows a bit of awareness that I think might have been lost on other managers who maybe were newer to the team or were just simply focused on winning the game because that was still very much a a textbook save situation with the outcome of the game mattering. And I think if you're just doing it by the book, maybe you throw, you know, Robertson or Sir Anthony out there, right? Cause it's a three run game. You figure, all right, get one of your top relievers out there to nail it down, but no, well, and we can have a discussion about Zach Eflin, maybe being one of the top relievers. I think anyway. Zach Eflin is their closer now, Paul. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but to have Eflin with all of that symbolism, like, and, and all that meaning behind his presence on this team right now, like you were just talking about having him be the guy. That's just, that's great. Like that is, that is good stuff. So props to whoever thought of that and, and, and brought him out there. Uh, if you read situation. my, yeah, if you read my story this morning in the athletic, I actually, I, I was wondering the same thing. I was like, is this something they thought about before the game? And so I asked, uh, killed Cobham, the, the pitching coach about like what their plan was. And he's like, mm-hmm. we talked about it before the game. Like we 
it wasn't necessarily that Eflin was going to finish it, but we wanted, we thought we could get three innings from Eflin and Alvarado combined. Mm. We really liked the matchup. We thought this was a great spot to get Eflin into a huge moment late in the game. Uh, and he's Love like, that. it just so happened that it came after Alvarado, that the way that the lineup worked, you know, Tucker's spot came up. That was for Alvarado. Got a quick out, got three more outs, and there's Eflin. And uh, so they had imagined Eflin pitching in a big spot in this game. I don't know that they thought that he would close it, but here you go. That's how it worked out. I, <laughs> I have, um, I, I've pulled up a box score from September 28th, 2008, which is what I believe to be the, the last, or maybe there was one in 2009, but this one sticks out for me. One of the last true hangover lineups that the Phillies have put out on the field toward the very <laughs> end of the season, rest your regulars. There was a celebration the night before, and I'm going to read off some names because this lineup is incredible. And I had forgotten about a lot of this. So here we go. Leading off. So left field went three for five with three RBIs that day. Batting second, Eric Bruntlett shortstop batting third, Tad Gucci second base cleaning up Jeff Jenkins, right field batting fifth, Chris coast first base. After him, Mike Servanak, third base, oh followed by Greg Golson, center field, Lou Marson, catching starting pitcher Kyle Kendrick, who was followed by Les Walrond, Jay Happ, Rudy Cienez, and Clay Condry. The Phillies won that game by a score of eight to three. It's going to be lost nationals. Then the hangover lineup tonight will be pretty good, but like it won't be as good because like you don't have uh, you only have twenty eight right. men now, right? You know, yep. like so there's not. But a lot of the kids will play tonight. They're going to get to face. They're facing Verlander, I think. Right? Is Verlander mm-hmm. pitching tonight? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He's um, late at the start. They might have to drag Nick Maton out of whatever ditch he's in overnight. <laughs> um, but he's he's going to be playing shortstop, I'm sure. Uh, he he was having a lot of fun last night. Good for him. Man. Um, they all were. I mean, it it was cool. I, I think. Uh, it it was it was neat to see. Some of the people who've been here the longest, you know, other than the players, right? Uh, Dusty mm. Wathen. Yeah, who is the third base coach and managed for a decade in the minor league system for the Phillies and 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 seeing kind of him just standing in the corner and just sort of watching it all unfold. I, I thought that was neat. There's a couple support staffers um, who, who have been here since, uh, you know, there's not many people who have been here since 20, you know, still here from 2011. And, and sure. there are some support staffers who are. And I, I thought it was really neat to see uh, them be a part of all this. And and, uh, and Rob Thompson, uh, I, I thought it was funny because. He, he didn't really seem all that excited and, and it was perfect. I thought, uh, because this is a <laughs> this guy, guy who has told us he has promised that he will be the same guy. And mm-hmm. they had, they have not played that well this month. Really? Uh, they no. haven't. And I think there was a lot of frustration that Thompson was not uh, more aggressive or angrier or, uh, you know, a little more urgent, I guess, if you want to use that word, but, he made a promise uh, to his players and, and to the media and to, to his bosses that uh, he, he wasn't going to change who he was. And, and I think if he would have been more aggressive or, or, or angrier, I think almost that would have caused more panic, right? Because he did make that yeah. promise. And all of a sudden, if you, if you're, you know, one of his players and you say, Oh man, like Tom's is, you know, he's angry. He, you know, you can tell he, you know, is he panicking? Like this must be really bad. And he didn't, and so even when they won, he, he, he was happy, like, but I, I, he wasn't, you know, like overly, you know, going crazy. And, and I, I think uh, this, this season is remarkable for a lot of different reasons. And, and Rob Thompson is, is, is a big one of them. And 
you know, there's there's a couple days here before the playoffs. I wonder if they they try to give him a contract if they work this out now and make him the, the full time manager. Mm. I, I think it's clearly headed that way. Good, he, he's earned it. Uh, he deserves it, and uh, he he he's done a great job with his team. And and a lot of last night should be and was about Rob Thompson too. Honestly, like I, I've I've wanted them to do like a like a two year thing for him, you know, twenty twenty three, twenty four kind of thing. That that feels right to me for whatever reason. Better than another lame duck year and still not That's quite a totally the way it'll go. Super yeah. commitment, yeah. But yeah, absolutely. This is a guy who has refused to be, like you were just saying, a, a mirror for the fan base when we were at our most uncomfortable during the middle and, and later parts of this month. I think when you when you watch this team as a fan, sometimes you you want the the players or the coaches or, or somebody on the field playing the games to be that mirror, right? To reflect what you are feeling, to acknowledge that, hey, things aren't hunky-dory out here. I, I need somebody to understand that we're feeling a little bit urgent, right? At least I felt that way, or I, I've seen people who who get that frustration when, it seems like there's that that disconnect between when things are going wrong, like, oh, okay, well, then now we need to pick it up. We need to show a little bit of urgency here. Here we go. But you're absolutely right in that Rob Thompson needed to be that steady hand. He needed to refuse to be that mirror here because what did this team just shed when exactly. they fired their old manager? All that exactly. tension, all that, like, nerves and, and you know, bunching up at the shoulders looking over your shoulder, like, oh, what's going to happen if I screw up? Well, the, the, I would say that mirror, I mean, how about, you know, Kyle Schwarber put it, put his, you know, has, has spoken a lot of words in the last few weeks, like especially to the writers and and, and people kind of rolled their eyes, I think, of late where he's saying, yeah. you know, we need to enjoy this. We need to have fun. We need to embrace this. You know, we have to be able to look at ourselves at the end of the day and take right. the result. The dude in the last three games is seven for 10 with four home <laughs> runs, including two first, you know, f- you know, lead off home runs to, to set the tone in each game. The guy put his money where, where his mouth was. He sure did, man. And he, he is the leader of this team and what he's done at the plate uh, in the, in these last three games where, you know, we, we haven't talked Paul in a while. I mean, between that doubleheader of the games on Saturday in, Nash, in Nationals Park, you know, the feeling was not good. Uh, yeah. I mean, they played really one of their worst games of the season Saturday afternoon against the worst team sucked. in baseball. That sucked so and much. And all they've done and all that's happened since is – they won three. The yeah. Brewers lost three, right? Is that yeah. did, did the Brewers lose three in a row? I, I don't know. I've lost no, track. Think, no, they, they won. No, it's because they won last night. But but just they, they two, lost yeah. two. Uh, all that happened since that, you know, that that time between the, the doubleheader game Saturday is, is that everything has gone right for the Phillies. Mm-hmm. And Kyle Schwarber was a huge reason why. I I do think it's it's nice to see and. I don't think of this as a referendum on Harper at all. I mean, Harper obviously gets the the spotlight and the attention. I I think. I think there's something going on there where he's either exceeded, um, ACC exceeded the the spotlight to Schwarber, or or there's something going on. Maybe Schwarber's just taking. I I don't know, but I like that Schwarber is leading this team right now. I like that it's apparent that there is somebody who is maybe not exactly Jimmy Jimmy Rollins, but assuming the Jimmy Rollins role, right, being there front and center and doing that thing where he's putting his money where his putting you, you know whatever this saying is, <laughs> putting his money where his mouth is. There we go. God, I can't even think right now, but you're right. He hasn't had the greatest season. It's a very weird season for someone who's hit as many home runs as he's had. Normally you think, Oh, he's approaching 50 home runs. He's had an incredible year. It's been, it's been good. It's been borderline very good, but it hasn't been great. And at times it's been frustrating. Fine, whatever. 
right now in this moment, and especially when this team needed him the most, and us as fans on the outside really needed somebody to step up and change the mood, especially after that first Saturday game, he's done it. He did it. He 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 did the thing. He hit some majestic home runs. I I I said yikes in a really loud voice to myself <laughs> when he hit that home run last night because that I think it only measured like 390 feet or something dumb, but it must have gone 150 feet in the air. It just looked like it looked like the St. Louis Arch. Like it just and, had, and it was it was just the timing, Paul. Like he let yeah. off the second game of the doubleheader Saturday after that terrible game, let it off with a homer, mm-hmm. and then last night in the clincher. You know, first pitch, maybe a little, you know, pressure coming into that game. First pitch, just crushed it, and all of a sudden, you just felt like this relief. It's like, yeah, that's right, we got this. Yeah, it's exactly right, and that's what we needed. You know, it <laughs> as as much as you wanted to think that pushing this out until Wednesday was just ridiculous with a magic number of one and three games to go. The way this team has played over the last few years, it just made it seem more possible than it actually was. Brewers aside, it just felt like there was a way it was going to get stretched out and pushed out and we were going to wring our hands for an extra 24 or 48 hours and it was just going to be it's going to be miserable like they were going to make us earn it in the worst way. And instead, that's not what happens. We don't get an exactly totally stress free Astros series, but we get a 67 percent stress free Astros series (laughs) and we get two games where, you know, People can be swapped out and rested and used only as they need to be without that urgency or that extra pressure. Like they actually get to set things up for this, this sprint of a mini playoff series, whoever they end up playing. I mean, they're, they're a game back of San Diego right now. So things can, things can change between now and the end of the year. However, however, these last couple of games end up, but whoever they're playing now, they can set things up. They can have Nola Wheeler and, and I guess Ranger, if necessary, go in game three, they can have just about their entire lineup be healthy. And hopefully they get somebody like Sosa back. I feel like he'd be a nice boost to have uh, for late in games. Things are working out right now. Like you, you again, I know everybody's going to be screaming at me through their, their, their headphones or whatever to pump the brakes a little bit. But as we sit here today on Tuesday morning, Things are aligning and it feels good. It's nice to feel good about things and they're going to need all those breaks. I mean, how often have we talked about this, how they need every little thing. And so far it's lining up at least. It is. And they, and they, you know, today's Tuesday, they can get, uh, they can get their, their best relievers like one inning today. Mm -hmm. It's like a tune up, probably Robertson, Dominguez. Uh, Those guys can get one inning today and then, and then not pitch Wednesday, Thursday's an off day. So they could have two days uh, of rest, really. Uh, I mean, they don't have to pitch them at all today. I'm going to guess that especially Robertson won't want, will want an inning today yeah. just, to, just to feel sharp going into the postseason. It's a chance to get those guys feeling good, give them two days off, the, the, the relievers, uh, and, and then they go into a stretch where they, you, pro- you might need some of those guys three times in three days mm-hmm. uh, in the wild card series, and, and we'll see about that. But I wonder how the late inning bullpen looks now. You know, I think that's a big question right now going into the to the to the playoffs. Like we know what the rotation is going to be. Wheeler pitches game one. Nola pitches game two. Suarez or you know, or maybe an opener then Suarez. You know, starts game three. Especially if it's the Cardinals. You know, I wonder mm-hmm. if they look at a, a right-handed opener. You know, who knows if they get to game three. You know, you, you pr- basically all hands on deck. You, you try to figure it out. But uh, there's not a lot of you know. There's not and there's no drama about what the lineup's going to be. None of that. 
Uh, the bench is relatively set. You said Sosa he, he is a possibility uh, to be on the roster, but the bullpen right now is, is a big question. And uh, I, I'm really curious to see how, how it unfolds. I mean, Eflin, uh, man, he's made it interesting. And, and I, I wonder, you know, if, if he's the guy uh, in a game one, if they need to save and he's done back-to-back games twice here down the stretch. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he, he can do it. Um, Robertson and Dominguez have been shaky. I mean, I think that's the one yeah. thing that gives you a lot of pause right now. Like what, what gives you pause right now going into a postseason series? And that is the, the late inning bullpen and the defense. And and those are two things that, you know, you really uh, want to have to win in the postseason. The, those are important things in October. Uh, it's not the strength right now of this team, but man, I mean, Alvarado is uh, one of the best relievers in baseball right now. Uh, yeah. One, earned run allowed in his last 22 appearances uh, since the beginning of August. Amazing. Eflin has been great. Uh, You know, they want to try to get through a series using like, you know, those seven or eight guys, those pitchers. And uh, it'll be a lot easier to do that if they win it in two games. I don't know if they're going to do that, but (laughs) that would um, be nice. Can we talk about Nola? Sure. Of course we can. I, I think what he did last night, uh, you know, we're going to, we're focused on Eflin and I think we should, but uh, how many years, you know, have we been waiting for Aaron Noll to rise to the moment? And mm. he, he didn't just do that. I mean, he, he just ran right through. I mean, Paul, his last six starts of the season, all of September and now this October start, he had a two, three, six ERA in mm. 34 and a third innings. The Phillies went four and two in his six starts. That's the like, big thing. Right, because they had for some reason scuffled when Nola and Wheeler took the mound, even as good as they've been. That's the most frustrating thing. And they've actually ended up winning more games finally than they lost with him on the mound. But he, he there was something more to the numbers uh, about his outing last night. When he was on the mound, you felt like he was in control. You felt like the oh, yeah. Phillies were in control. Yeah. yeah. And, and I know the Astros pulled some of their guys in, in the sixth inning, but. They had a representative lineup, and this is a good team. And they, yeah, they were swinging a bot. I think they were chasing some pitches. I think they, you know, these these games are are not meaningful to them in any way. They're sort of tune ups. So yes, you can you can put that in as a caveat. But man, you know, like it was a different version of him. It was a version. It was a confident, controlled, uh, comfortable version of this guy. And, and all along, and I've written a little bit about this. I mean, they were like, we think that the Phillies said, you know, we've thought about it. We aligned it this way. Like they tried to give him a little more rest between stars this year. They just tried to get him an extra day here and there. And they had scheduled off days in, in, in on every Monday in September. And they were able to get him an extra day, except down the stretch. They actually moved it around so that he, he wasn't getting an extra day. Mm-hmm. Uh, he looked fresher. I mean, think about how many Septembers have we gotten to where he just looks like the weight of the workload, uh, you know, is just too much for him. And this is a guy who has started more games in Major League Baseball than any other pitcher since the beginning of the 2018 season. This is a true workhorse, and he was more than that last night. I mean, he was dominant. He wasn't just a guy soaking up innings for you. He was dominant in the biggest game of his life. And now the next game is the biggest game of his life. It'll be game two Saturday, yep. uh, either in St. Louis or New York. And I, maybe we can talk about that as, you know, wh- wh- where do we see this going? And, uh, you know, I-, I don't know if it's a matter of like, who would you rather have right now? But because uh, I have an opinion on that, actually, and it might be a hot take. 
Who, who would you rather have between what? The Cardinals and the Mets. Oh, I, I, I'm going to stick with I don't care because it's it's a three-game series. I, I just I, There's so much about a matchup in a short series like that with first to two out of three wins that I just I, I think the gulfs between so many teams can get erased in a series that short. Like, I know the Phillies got manhandled by the Mets this year. I know the Cardinals have a good team and they have some really good pitching that would be, you know, hard to long ball off of if if that's, you know, their approach or whatever. I don't know. But I think when you're first to two wins with just something about these series for months now has just called out to me like something weird is going to happen. Something unusual is going to happen. Hopefully it happens with the Phils being the underdog and pulling out something, you know, remarkable. But two out of three, it really doesn't take much. It really doesn't. The, the, the true talent and depth of these playoff teams, to me, really emerges in the seven-game series. If you get to a seven-game series and it's clear you're overmatched on paper, chances are that series is going to go against you. I'm I'm speaking a little bit subjectively here for sure, but that's just always the way it's felt to me. And as you shrink these series down and you you narrow the margin for error, if you're the favored team, you you don't have like you, you can let one game slip away in a best of seven series and be like, oh, well, whatever. Our talent's going to win out through the rest of this series, most likely. It's just the odds are in your favor if you have the better players. But if you if you if you're the underdog, I can't say it enough. It may not work out this way, but the Phillies are at it almost an advantage in a three-game series. They are that top-heavy team that we're talking about with really good players at the top, but now we're also seeing a little bit of depth too, which is great and helpful. I just think they're not as immediately out of it as they would be in another playoff format. Now, if they do keep advancing and we get into those best of five and best of seven series, well, then we can revisit. But right now, in a best of three, it does not matter to me who they play even though they lost a lot to the Mets, even though yeah. those Cardinals teams, like that's okay. I, I do not mind. I think they can do it. I especially like if we're, if we're thinking about season performance though, I like how they've, they've handled their bats against Edwin Diaz. If they're, you know, late in games and trailing, like that alone gives me a little bit of faith that they can put together good at bats against the DeGroms and the Scherzers as best they can anyway. Cause those guys are unbelievable if they face the Mets and if they face, you know, somebody like Jose Quintana's on a roll and Jordan Montgomery and Adam Wainwright with all of his, you know, postseason mojo and, and everything surrounding the Cardinals. If we're talking existential threats, the Cardinals worry me more than the Mets just because they always do this kind of stuff around the playoffs and just the mysticism and the storylines with St. Louis always bother me. <laughs> so I, I almost prefer the Mets that way, but really it just, it doesn't matter. It's a coin flip. I think they, I think they can win either series. I think if it's the Mets, and this is my hot take, there will be immense pressure on the New York Mets in that three-game series at City Field. Of course. The expectation was that they'd win the division. They would avoid this three-game series. They had a 10-game lead. And it's not like they blew it because no. they, they've played okay. The Braves have just been that much better. Yeah. But if it is the Phillies against the Mets, I, I think the Phillies go in with, with a great chance. I do. You know, and I know that sounds crazy, but I, I, I think the Mets will be feeling a ton of pressure in that series. And there is something about playing free. And I don't know. I don't know that the Phillies are necessarily playing with house money, that they have a huge payroll. Yeah. Uh, and, and the expectation <laughs> yeah. was that they would be in the playoffs and, and not right. just getting in, but also, right. you know, hopefully getting deep. But 
in a way they, they sort of are. I mean, the pressure will not be on the Phillies. And it's going to be interesting, I think, to watch the next two days how the Mets use their pitching. They, they have a doubleheader today against Washington. Yep. The Braves lost last night to the Marlins. I mean, the division is not totally <laughs> out of reach Marlins, for them. Man. Yeah, The Marlins, right. man. I, I, before the game last night, Rob Thompson said, you know, Donnie's always been a good friend of mine, Don Mattingly. <laughs> and uh, Don Mattingly really came through his son, Preston, as the Phillies farm director. And yep. he was saying, you know, thank the old man again. And, and uh, you know, <laughs> the Marlins, you know, how about that? Like, how, how about that for a little wrinkle in all this. I mean, the Marlins were, were such a thorn in the Phillies side for all those years. And uh, in the end, they, they end up, you know, re- really helping the Phillies get, get, get to this, get to this spot now. So I, I think it's gonna be interesting to watch how the Mets use their pitching. Like, I, I mean, DeGrom right now is like on turn to start tomorrow, Wednesday. Uh, I don't know if he's going to make that start, but like, if he does, I mean, I, he, he's not pitching Friday or Saturday. So, yeah. I, yep, yep, yep. Like, I, what do you do if you're the Mets there? Right? I, like, I don't do you know. Keep I mean, it's the division, the division or right? If, if 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 it goes down to game one sixty two and 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 if they win, uh, and and they win the division, Degrom's going to pitch. He, he's going to pitch, and if they don't win that game, they don't win the division, and he pitches. Ooh, man, like, I, and, and also like if you end up getting the Braves, and the Braves are really good, I like, yeah, you know, I, yeah. but. Sadly, <laughs> Strider is a question right now. It, it, he has not pitched for a while yet. I don't think he started throwing. He's not going to be a factor in a th- you know if they end up in that three game series, and they probably won't. They're probably going to win a division. It's probably going to be you know either the Mets or the Cardinals. But um, I, I think they match up well. I don't know that they're going to win a three game series against any of those teams, but I, I think they can be competitive. And you're right, Paul. I mean the format almost plays into their favor if you limit it to their seven or eight best pitchers and their lineup, uh, it, they match up decently against anyone. Uh, they won't be favorites, but uh, I think they could be a little frisky. And that's honestly, that's all I want right now. I, I, it, the, the balancing act of knowing that the Phillies are now in the playoffs and have a chance to really try and contend for a title. I mean, they, they literally are one of the six teams in the league in the national league that has a chance to contend for a title. Now they are in it. You want them to actually try and win it, but it is okay. And we, and we've laid this groundwork over the past couple of weeks. It is okay. If they don't this year, it does feel to me kind of like that. Oh, six, oh seven sort of thing where you know that the team has flaws, you know, that they're not perfect. They're not built like a title contender. This is not a 2011 situation where they come in, you know, barreling over people and you expect, Oh yeah, this team's going to make a deep run. Like we're, we're going to, we're going to see some stuff out of this squad right now. You are kind of hoping that, you know, that house money situation, right? You're hoping for a surprise. You want to be the spoiler. You are very clearly the, I, I think even if, you know, they leapfrog San Diego somehow, I think a lot of folks would consider San Diego a better team. I don't necessarily know that I do, but I think a lot of people nationally would consider San Diego a better team than the Phillies. And so you go in as the underdog, no matter who you play, we've been over this part. This team has been playing better when the pressure has been, has been lessened. You know, it goes back to what we were saying just earlier here in this episode about, you know, 15, 20 minutes ago, ever since the the pressure valve was opened a little bit and they started playing freer, not feeling like they're playing for their jobs in some cases, not feeling mm-hmm. like the weight mm-hmm. of the world is upon them. That they, I mean, the proof's in the pudding. They're 22 games over 500 since the start of June, since Thompson took over, whatever it is. Yep. Yep. Look, man, 
<laughs> that pressure on the Mets you're talking about that that's real. Like whether they end up playing through it and and maybe you know winning the first two games, fine. The pressure is going to be there, and there's going to be that anxiety at least to start the game up in City Field, and especially if the Phillies do one of their jump out to an early lead in the first inning type things, you're going to feel that anxiety start creeping in. Like that's kind of what you want. But the Phillies can go into that knowing that there is no pressure for them to do that. There is no expectation that they are going to jump out to these leads and, and protect them and, you know, handle their business against these teams because they are the inferior team to the Mets and to the Cardinals, whoever it is. It's just. Well, the, there's one other thing. Yeah, there's one other thing. OK, we talk about, you know, a storybook way for them to to end this drought. Well, Paul, on Friday, they're going to play a playoff game and it's going to be 11 years to the day of game five of the 2011 NLDS. And that was a game, it still remains to be, for me, the best game I'll ever see live, the best baseball game I'll ever see live. But you think about that day, and and really a a Phillies era ended that day, and it ended uh, sooner than we thought it was going to end, and sooner than we knew at that time. I don't think any of us had any idea it was going to be 11 years again. But think about it now. Like how poetic would be if they end up in St. Louis and the Cardinals here are sort of uh, nearing the end of this era, right? Albert Pujols, Adam Wainwright, Yachty and Molina, like they're they're near the end here. And how fitting would it be if the Phillies went in there wow. and ended it sooner than everyone thinks it's going to end for St. Louis? I mean, it would be almost too perfect for them to do that. And it's asking a lot. Cardinals are really good, and they're going to have a lot of mojo on their side. Sure. They have two of the best position players in baseball in their lineup. Uh, they have a lot going for them, but it almost feels like it's supposed to happen that way. No, I mean, because it's, it, I, I was thinking about, and I wrote this, you know, about all the names who came through in the last 10, 11 years for the Phillies. And, uh, you know, you think about that night, that game five and how it could have gone differently and how this whole thing goes differently. If, if something, uh, else happens in that game if it's not one nothing if Shane Victor hits the cutoff man if Ryan Howard doesn't collapse and bursts his Achilles and all this stuff yeah um maybe it was maybe they were supposed to be 11 years until they met the Cardinals again just at just at the moment where they think that they can uh squeeze a little more out of this great era that they've had um and here come the Phillies and I don't know (laughs) it feels like maybe that was supposed to happen that way yeah maybe you know I enjoyed the parallels that people were drawing between you know, the Phillies and, and playing the Astros, you know, clinching with Halliday on the mound back, you know, uh, 11, 12 years ago and beating them in the NLCS in 1980. You know, the, just the those are looser strings tying those things together. But you, you can kind of start to see things being woven, right? Like and and laid out in front of them are two very different paths, but still two very storybook paths. You laid out the St. Louis one perfectly. We've talked about the Mets one. Obviously, that comes in with its own first Phillies Mets postseason series ever. Yeah. yeah. And that comes with all of the, I'll call it baggage, but it comes with all the history and baggage of these two teams just locking horns for years and years. It hasn't been quite as furious a rivalry recently, but, you know, back in the Phillies heyday, man, ooh, as they were, they were ramping up, these games were intense. It's very one-sided this year, so you don't really come into it feeling quite the same way, but it doesn't change the fact that'd be an interdivision playoff series. I haven't had that in a long time. You know, I, don't, I haven't been alive to see one of those that I can remember at least. 
No, 93, uh, Phillies, Braves, NLCS. Okay, yeah, right. I, I, you know, six years old. I, I wasn't watching that. <laughs> but, like, Which was a okay. great series, and it's still tough. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You go back and watch some of those games. I don't know if you ever do that. I mean, they were awesome games. I mean, it was a really good series. I mean, I probably should. I probably owe it to myself to go watch those a little bit more. But no, I, I yeah. In, in my, and, you know, that brings up a good point, too, because there is now, with all this time that has passed, a, a new generation of Phillies fans who are, very much in the prime of not just their lives, but of their fanhood of this team who are maybe in their mid to late teens or, or, or early to mid twenties who are coming to a point where they are fully cognizant of what's been happening with this team over the last few years. They've been paying close attention. They've been watching the things that have happened with this team. They have had players that they could get latched onto and have emotional connections with that have come and gone or have disappointed them or have just come up a little bit short in some way who now get to watch this squad play the most important baseball that they've had a chance to watch. You know, there are people who, like I was with 93, who were not cognizant of these mid to late 2010s, you know, 2000s, 2010s Phillies teams. Like they're aware of them and they've, I'm sure, doubtlessly heard the stories about Chase Utley and Ryan Howard and Roy Halladay and Cliff Lee but maybe they were too young to really remember what it was like to watch them in and out each day or watch them take the mound in these playoff series and actually internalize the feeling and the pressure and, and what it's like to actually see these, these playoff games happen. There is this new generation now. This is a storyline for this fan base that has a brand new beginning. This, and I am, I am so happy for that group of people right now because I, I had personally... I had my moment with this team. I was 21 years old when they won the World Series. It was an amazing time to be a person and a baseball fan and feel all of the feelings of seeing your team win a title. It was incredible. And you were 20 when, you know, you sort of saw them have those formative moments in the postseason. And maybe that's what this yeah. ends up being. Yeah. I don't know. But, you know, we can... You know, we'll preview the the series when we know the opponent. You and I can get together and talk mm -hmm. about it before it happens. And um, I I think people should just enjoy it. And and I know yes. it's been hard to enjoy this team at times, and I'm I'm fully aware <laughs> of that. And yeah, the Eagles are really good. I'm I'm fully aware of that. Yep. Uh, I I I know that it won't feel right if the Phillies don't end up making it home in the playoffs. You know, they have to win two games this weekend to to even just get a home game in the next round, and that would be. October 14th, a Friday night at Citizens Bank Park. And, and a lot, uh, there's a large part of me that really wants to see that because I, I think it would be cool, like you're describing those people who are having these these memories and forming them in these moments. It won't feel right unless they, they have a home game. And maybe they get swept in that second series. Maybe that home game is, you know, <laughs> the, the final game of a yeah. three sweep, whatever. I think it would be really neat if they got back to Citizens Bank Park this season to play a game. And it will require a lot between now and then, but it doesn't seem as far fetched as it did uh, a couple days ago, a couple weeks ago. Uh, it feels like it's realistic. I wouldn't say it's likely, but it is at least realistic. And uh, I don't know. Kind of curious to see how this goes. And and they they've put themselves in a great spot by clinching when they did. Uh, they they really can line up things and and see how the chips fall. One thing. I won't speak too far to this because this is getting ahead of things and talking about the aftermath of, of whatever outcome awaits this team in the playoffs, but they're going to have a chance to run it back with a lot of the same players. 
not all of them. Segura is probably going to have his option declined and leave. Eflin is probably going to leave. Um, Castellanos, something might happen with him. But for the most part, you're going to have Harper back. You're going to have Hoskins probably back for his his potential walk year. You're going to have Real Muda back. Uh, you're going to have a lot of the younger guys who have been the 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 supplement, the bench for you know most of the season, or in some cases like Bryson Stott starting shortstop. Alec Bohm is probably going to be back. You, th- these are assumptions, of course, but you have a team that's not full of mercenaries, not full of guys who not at are, all. Yeah, yeah, are about to embark on this this playoff run. And even if it goes, you know, if it flames out in this first series, and then half the team, half the major league team is gone. You're like, okay, well, it feels almost like starting over. There's going to be that momentum to carry them through in, into next year. Uh, we'll talk you more about in, that. You added an Andy Painter or Mick Abel. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if there's something, it at least feels like there's something building. And you can at yeah. least say, even if they go to St. Louis and lose two straight, you can, I think, at least take a step back and say the organization is, for the first time, you feel like it's moving in the right direction. It's trending in the right direction. It doesn't mean that it'll work out but you at least can see and have evidence uh, that it is trending in the right direction. And I don't think that we've been able to say that for a long time. Have we? No, absolutely not. <laughs> no, no way. I mean, look, it, <laughs> it's, it's one thing to try and search for hope and optimism and, and actually, you know, talk yourself into believing Mike Calfranco can be something better than what he is. Oh, or... kept Mikey catching a stray here. <laughs> I, well, you know, I, I put a lot of faith in Michael Franco and I still love him. I, I, I've defended him many cases and I still will. I think the years he was here, he was fine and better than what a lot of people are going to remember, even if he wasn't great, but that's, that's an example, saying. right? Yeah. You're, you're just, you're trying to talk yourself into some of these guys sometimes when the reality is objectively, they fall short of, of being what you'd expect out of a championship or playoff caliber team. I, I, again, I hate, pegging Mike for this but that that's one example this is different this is different this is an actual playoff team with playoff caliber players and they have that potential continuity for seasons moving forward or at the very least 2023 and that is a different position than we have been in at this point in yes easily many of the last 10 years yeah and I think it's fun to appreciate the journey right and that's something that Reese and I were talking about before the game yesterday and I I wrote a story about it when they clinched I mean it was a long 10 years and there's a lot of things that you'll truly never want to think about again from the last <laughs> 10 years. But yeah. that said it in this moment, it is worth appreciating the journey. And, and, and when I was talking to Reese about it, it's like, he's like, you don't want to call them placeholders because they weren't, they were more yeah. than that. A lot of these guys, you think about, it, I mean, they, they were trying, I mean, like they, they were all pulling for, you know, toward this one goal and uh, they clearly weren't good enough in those years, but you had guys come in and out and you're like, you know, you wonder if they're going to be part of it, if they're just, you know, nothing. And I don't know. I mean, like those crazy moments like Casper Wells pitching or the white towel game or, you know, Mike Fontenot making three errors in a game or I don't know, like all these little moments, Roman Quinn dropping a fly ball. It's like, I, I don't know. I, I think they all add up and, and they, they, I think they made that last night sweeter, especially for, for Hoskins and Nola and Eflin. And for the people who who watched a lot of baseball in those 10 years, I mean, I think it's worth appreciating the journey. And I know it's not the journey that people thought they wanted to be on or or ever want to do again, (laughs) but uh, (laughs) there's something in appreciating it and those names who came through in those terrible Mm. moments. And and, uh, 
I think that all plays into that feeling, Paul, that we talked about at the beginning of this podcast of, of it just, it just felt right. And uh, I, I didn't think that we would get a moment that felt right with this team clinching. Uh, I thought they would clinch. I just didn't think the moment was going to feel the way it did. And yeah. uh, you know, kudos to them. Uh, kudos to Noel and Eflin for, for stepping up uh, in the moment, a moment they have thought about for a long, long time and they really seized it. And uh, the Phillies are in the postseason. It's a beautiful thing. Oh God. I love that sentence so much. Okay. Well, there's still some work to do. There's still some tuning up to be done over these next two games. There's a playoff roster to be thought about and, and hashed out as we approach the weekend. And there's an opponent to be finalized. There's still a lot that we don't know about what's coming up here, but what we do know is this, <laughs> the Phillies are in the playoffs. And if oh, they play the Cardinals, Alex Rodriguez will be on the broadcast. And I almost want to see that because I feel like people are just going to lose their minds. All right. All right. Let's not invite <laughs> too much chaos. in. All right. <laughs> Either way. I hope everybody out there is feeling good, man. It's a good day. Enjoy these next couple of games. The pressure is off for a couple of days. You will need all of your emotional strength for what's coming this weekend. Hunker down, prep for it however you need to prep for it. But do make sure you take time to enjoy it. You never know when it's going to be another 10 years before it happens again. So just make sure you appreciate what's happening. We'll be with you again before the weekend, I would imagine. Stay tuned to the feed and all that wonderful stuff. We'll, we'll try and be as active as we can. Um, Matt, we know you're going to be giving us all the goods for the athletic and actually being in the clubhouse and, and taking the pulse as these guys go along. And that's going I'm to trying be incredible. To think of I'm trying to think of what day it is on the road for me. I don't remember. Honestly, I'm in Houston. Yes, I know that. But uh, I don't know where I'm going next. I don't know when I'll be home. It's been a long trip. But uh, it, it's been it's been fun uh, to, to watch this thing come together. And you think about where they were at the beginning of this trip and where they are now. And, and uh, don't know what's going to happen next. But I know, it, like you said, something weird will probably happen. Probably. Hang in there, everybody. We'll be back with you at some point later this week or weekend. For Matt Gelb of The Athletic, I'm Paul Boyer. Go Phil's baby.